Welcome to the Ogletree Deacons podcast, a brief discussion of compelling legal issues and practical insights. Please note that the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be, nor should it be construed as legal advice. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. Please enjoy the program. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Global Solution Series. My name is Carlos Colón Machargo. I'm an attorney based in Atlanta, part of the Cross-Border Practice Group. With me today are Pietro Straulino, managing partner of Ogletree's Mexico City office. Pietro is part of the employment law, immigration, drug testing, cross-border, and workplace and safety and health practice groups. And Sheer Fulga, she's an associate in the, our Toronto office and part of the Employment Law Practice Group. Today, we're going to the, talk about remote work. Remote work has come suddenly, and it seems that it's here to stay. There are some countries that have recently enacted specific statutes to regulate that, but there are other countries in which there are no statutes and they have to like you know adapt and deal with the issue of employees having to work remotely due to the pandemic. So today we're going to discuss like some of the rules that are governing remote work in general and some of the differences in this in the in the in the countries and the way that that each country has approached this these issues. Most of the statutes in Latin America what I have seen is that they have an emphasis on preserving the same rights that employees enjoy in their physical workplace when they work remotely. So the main emphasis of the most like of the Latin American statutes that I have seen is that the protections are extended in, in what is applicable to the remote place. But that, that brings like some areas of, of confusion and gray areas that the future will tell how how things develop in, in that regard. For example, like most of the statutes that I have seen, like there is like uh, occupational safety and health rules are extended, but those are usually, they, they relate to the workplace and and how are you going to apply those to the homes where the workers are going to be working out of, or if the workers are allowed to work in different places, how is, are the employers going to, you know, enforce those rules? So what have you guys seen in, in that regard in your, in Mexico and in Canada? Probably sure, ladies first, so you have the right to start. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Pietro, and, and thanks, uh, uh, Carlos. So in Canada, I will start by prefacing and, and saying that we didn't see any specific statutes being enacted as a result of the pandemic in relation to remote work. And that probably has to do with the fact that uh, Canada, to the exception of Quebec, uh, is a common law country. So what lawyers and employers have been having to do is maneuver the new situation through the existing statutes that we have, as well as as the common law. Um, So again, the legislatures haven't really enacted any specific statutes to address remote work issues uh, as a result of the pandemic. So that's kind of the the general situation in in Canada. For the most part, um, employees uh, and remote employees are being are subjected to and are being are supposed to be treated in the exact same way as uh, in office employees. And I think that now it's echo in. Uh, I'm Pietro. Thank you, uh, Carlos and Shir, for for your time and having this friendly conversation regarding telework. And then in, in Mexico, uh, we 
only we have one it's important to mention that we have one federal labor law that enacts in each and every part of the country in difference to the states and in Canada and on January 1st 2021 a new chapter was enacted regarding teleworking so if it was a result of uh, COVID or if not uh, I think that it was and and we have this new chapter within the law that stipulates a new form of employment. And it's important to mention that in Mexico, even though we have obligations for teleworking employees, the guys that stay at home, uh, it starts with the definition that it would be considered telework if you spend more than 40% of your time uh, out of the office. So you need to address that consent with the employer and the employee to be a teleworker and be aligned with the obligations, the responsibilities that working home or outside of the office, this new law uh, brings in. And it's important to mention that regarding what we discussed regarding uh, anti-discrimination, people working at home or working on telework, uh, on a telework modalities, have the same rights and obligations of the employees. They are protected by uh, social security law. They are protected by the Mexican federal labor law, but we have some differences that we would be uh, discussing, I think, uh, within within our chat. It's interesting that you mentioned that the law covers like when employees work like 40% uh, out of the, the, you know, their main employer facility. Because the statutes that I have seen in Panama, Argentina, Colombia, and Uruguay, they define like telework as working part out of the office at any time. So if you work at you know a day and it's like something that is not like even formal, but if you work like every other two weeks and it's then you will be covered by the provisions of each statute. So it's interesting to see that Mexico defines it as forty percent work. So one of the things that has been quite different about working remotely as opposed to working from the office is, of course, uh, working hours. Um, so so the question being if, if there are any special rules for teleworkers uh, in terms of the assignment of time uh, or if the teleworker is, is kind of free to distribute the hours of work uh, throughout the day. Uh, obviously, some people prefer working later than, than others. Um, uh, so, so whether South America and in Mexico, whether there are new special rules in relation to remote workers. And, and I guess we would be, our, our clients would particularly be interested in, in overtime rules and whether the rules are, are different. This is an interesting area. And, and in Latin America, there is like different treatment. I think the general rule is that the hours are set forth in, the, in a contract. So you, you have to abide by those hours and, and there is no like, you know, questions as to how would that work. But in terms of like overtime, like Uruguay, for example, they, they enacted a new statute and they the employees who work remotely are not entitled to daily overtime. So employees are have the right to distribute the work throughout the day the way that they, they desire. And if they exceed, I guess it's sort of like an honor system, but if they exceed like the, the amount of eight hours per day, then they will be entitled to compensatory time as opposed to overtime. 
Another difference in Panama, for example, in order to accommodate like em employees to work out and avoid like paying overtime, the statute allows the employers to assign employees to be on call every so often. And then those employees will be paid for the time. If, if they engage in work, they will be paid for the time that they work. And then in Argentina, there are provisions that have been enacted if the employee is working remotely then yeah, they are caring for either a child or an elder parent, then they their hours will be accommodated for them to take care of their personal responsibilities and obligations towards their family members uh, within their workday. So there's there's difference in, in the way that that is treated in, in, in the different statutes in, in Latin America. In Mexico, it's different to what we have discussed. Uh, first of all, you cannot have someone just on hold or on call. Uh, and a requirement that now we have, or that we always have, is that clearly the, the statute, the Mexican Federal Labor Law, stipulates within the articles that you need to define clearly when would it be the duration and the distribution of the work shift of the employee as long as you do not exceed the maximum working hours. And just uh, for, for our uh, friends' uh, knowledge, we have a maximum 48 daily working uh, hours per week in Mexico. 42 if it's a night shift and 45 if it's a mixed shift. But you need to clearly stipulate when you would be working. Also, you need to establish the mechanism of contact and supervision within the parties. How would I know that you would be that I would be working because you are not at the office where where everyone will see you? And if some uh, smart employees might might say, "Hey, what about having a camera?" and you would have to have your camera turned on all day, that's impossible. So they also stipulated that you cannot have the camera turned on every day. And uh, then we move into the other issue. Okay, if we have a clear statute on when I would need to start my, uh, my shift and when would I need to end my shift, I'm not supposed to go to the office. I need to clearly disconnect. What about disconnection? Are there any uh, regulations, exceptions? In Mexico, there aren't. You are supposed to be disconnected whenever your work shift ends. However... The circumstance that we are facing now is Mexican Labor Ministry has the right to send inspectors to the office or to wherever the employee is located because in the contract you stipulate the place upon which you would be primarily located in order to check that you are truly disconnected. But we don't have a way of evidencing the, that the employee is disconnecting. So we have uh, seen uh, clients doing things like this. As long as the uh, work shift of the employee is over, they immediately uh, send an out-of-the-office message stating, Carlos is out of the office today. He would no longer see your email. He would be responding the next day in the morning. All of the emails are kept in the cloud and then 
starting the next working day, all of the emails get back. So you can truly demonstrate an evidence if an inspection came that you are complying with the disconnection obligations. And these are some examples. And uh, and I would be uh, interested on, on seeing if anything of this happens in Canada, for example, here. Yeah, that's. I am fascinated to hear this. We don't have anything like that in, in Canada. Some provinces have, I mean, all provinces have hours free from work provisions. For example, in Ontario, um, I believe you're entitled to 11 hours free from work uh, in a day. Uh, some provinces also have both daily and weekly overtime. So, for example, in, in BC and, and in Alberta. Um, so, so, of course, you know, to the extent that the employee works more than than uh, eight hours in a day, for example, in, in those provinces, anything over and above that uh, would be considered overtime. And there are a number of, of hours per week in which the employee has to be free from work. So I guess that is kind of a right to disconnect, but not to the extent that, that you're seeing in Mexico. There is nothing codified um, that that would go to the extent of, of saying that that an employee is not allowed to look at emails uh, or you know that that uh, the employer has to ensure that the employee is is truly um, uh, free from work of course whenever work is being performed our statutes are very clear that employees must be compensated for that but a right to disconnect per se, uh, is not something that, that we have here in Canada. It's interesting the way they handle it in Mexico, Pietro, because in Argentina, there is employers are obligated to install software in the computers that would, would not allow for employees to access, after working hours, their, their system. So it, it's an interesting distinction. And in general, the right to disconnect is it's phrased as whenever the employee is not working. So it's it's... There is no like requirements except for in Uruguay, where it needs to be for eight hours. In the other countries, it's as long as the employee, which, which is interesting in Uruguay, because the employee can assign or can distribute the hours in a working day, but it's, the employer needs to make sure that the employee is disconnected for eight hours. So if you work like a long shift, you have to at least rest for eight hours before you go back to work in order to, you know, comply with the, the right to disconnect. And in Argentina, as I mentioned, like you have the right to disconnect whenever you're not working. And that would include if you're caring for your child or while you're doing that. So I, I'm sure the best practice will be for to have a message, you know, to your employer saying that you are like enjoying your right to disconnect while you are not working. And it's in some countries, it is it's not only the right for the employee not to respond, but it is also the obligation for the employer not to engage. So depending on the country, it's phrased one way or the other. But some countries impose that obligation upon the employer not to contact the employee during the rest time. Exactly, uh, uh, Carlos. And, and that's the case why in Mexico we are advising uh, clients that they need to present evidence that they are promoting this connection. Because... You can be uh, complying with your work shift. However, you would be working uh, of your time, like we all do, right? That's true. Another interesting thing is like the right to privacy, like how the employer has the obligation and has done for years, like monitor like how the employee is working, that makes making sure that the employee is indeed working while the employee is being paid. So 
I think this is like one of the the areas in which the you know the employers are when the whole pandemic started and and most people started working remotely, employers were hesitant because like they they sort of lost control of monitoring the employees. So I think the main rule, and in Latin American countries, the right to privacy is very strong, is very well defined. I think the best employers in general can install like systems so they can track down the time the employee is working while they offer it. They have to provide notice to the employee so they are aware of like what kind of software is installed, what is, what, what, what is the capability of that software, what is the extent of the monitoring. An interesting aspect is like if the employer is providing the equipment and is limiting the, the use of the equipment to business use, then that's an easier task to, to monitor. But in some countries, the employee and the employer can reach an agreement as to the employee providing their own equipment. And in those cases, then if the computer is being used for both personal and business use, it sort of creates the issue of like how far can you go to monitor you know, what could be the employee's like private information that is in a computer that the employee also uses for work. It will be interesting to see how this develops and, uh, you know, as we go forward in, in this new world of remote work. And I think that you just uh, nailed it because you would be providing, uh, in Mexico, you need the, uh, you have the obligation as an employer to provide to your employee that's, within this teleworking modality, the necessary resources. You would be giving the monitor, you would be giving the laptop, you would be giving uh, whatever is necessary for your employee to perform. However, as you mentioned, how much is he taking the equipment that's providing the uh, company into personal matters? Is he staying uh, up? checking his social media, you are paying for part of that. And one additional thing, in Mexico, since you would need to pay for the laptop and provide the necessary desk, a chair in, uh, in, the, um, in the case, uh, printers if you need them, you also need to provide the necessary pay for the utilities. So you would need to pay for electricity and you would need to pay for internet connection. So that's also an important part that we need to consider and we will need to see how things uh, develop because you are also paying for Netflix connection and uh, probably Amazon Prime connection. So you would need to check uh, and do a correct market uh, study on what's the appropriate amount for paying for electricity, utilities and internet. I will say that, that in Canada, uh, this is quite different. Um, in most provinces, except for, I think, BC and, and perhaps Quebec, um, we think that, you know, the employer is allowed to uh, make the employee pay for equipment out of pocket. Um, however, what one thing that the employee can do is write it off uh, in their taxes. And that would be either, you know, actual hardware like a, a computer or a desk or anything like that, as well as utilities and internet connection and all of that. BC is interesting because it's actually codified in the legislation um, that an employer must not require an employee to pay any of the employer's business costs. So business costs being getting a computer, internet connection, things like that. But the question become, okay, to what extent is the employee's internet connection has actually been going up 
even though, especially now in the pandemic, if, if my internet bill is, is $50 and all of a sudden it goes up to 70 now that I started work working from home, that would be a pretty easy argument for an employee in VC specifically to make that, you know, the employer should should top up those those additional $20. Not so much the case in the rest of, of, of Canada. Um, the right to to have those those uh, things reimbursed is not codified. Um, but we have been seeing a lot of clients, you know, asking that question. And and up here, it's mostly up to the to the employer's discretion. Um, one thing that I will say uh, about taxes um, is that usually up until the pandemic, uh, it was pretty difficult and a pretty cumbersome process to um, write off home office expenses uh, for, for employees who are, who are actually employed. It would involve the employer um, uh, filling out a form, attesting to the types of, of, uh, of uh, expenses that the employee has been making out of pocket. Um, and it was generally a headache for employers. Um, starting in 2020, um, our, the Canada Revenue Agency streamlined the process for claiming home office expenses. And essentially, employees can now apply uh, for a flat credit or reimbursement. I think it's about $400, something like that might change next year. Um, and, and that's been making the, the process a lot more a lot more streamlined for, for employers. Um, and for employees. Yes. Yeah, so in Latin America in general, there are most countries they require that the employer pays for the incremental cost of like electricity and internet. And it's, it's usually worded in a, in a general way, whatever it takes for the employee to, to work out of home or remotely, the employer needs to provide for that. So the, the question becomes, and in most countries, it's tax free. It's not taxable, whatever stipend the employee receives. So the question becomes, how do you calculate that? What is incremental? So it will be interesting to see how that develops and see, you know, I, I don't know if like some employees will request like a higher stipend in order to, you know, enjoy like a tax be- tax-free benefit. Um, so, so it's not clear at this point what, how exactly that is calculated. In some countries, like the employee and the employer can reach an agreement as to Who's going to pay for, for the expenses? So in that regard, employee might agree, like, yes, I, I, there are benefits for me working at home and I don't care pay, being paid for the internet or the electricity. And in some countries, they can even use their own equipment, as I mentioned. And to that, uh, Carlos, in, in Mexico, you can agree exactly, exactly to the amount. You need to pay the amount, but you can agree with the employee, like the fixed amount that you will be getting, uh, the employees for utilities. And for um, for internet, and something that's important to consider is that it you might be staying home, and your and your utilities receipt might go up because, in addition to your normal expenses, you might be having your AC on all day long while you are working, or at least while you are working. So it might be an incremental to to your expenses. So you can agree with your employer about the amount that you would be getting and you can work not making it part of your base compensation. So you would not be taxed on that. In terms of privacy in in Canada, um, only a handful of provinces have codified employment privacy statutes and those provinces being Alberta, BC and, and Quebec, as well as the federal jurisdictions. 
do have codified employment privacy statutes, but in other provinces, the privacy of employees is subject to the common law, um, and it's not particularly uh, uh, super, super developed. So, um, you know, in an in-person environment, employers have generally been permitted to take reasonable steps to monitor employees um, because the workplace is not considered to be a place where there is a reasonable expectation of privacy. But of course, just like in, in other countries, for teleworking employees, the line between the personal space and personal information, work-related space and, and a work-related information is, is often blurred. So the question that we ask in Canada is always whether or not the teleworking employee has a reasonable expectation of privacy. Um, and that will depend on a bunch of factors, um, including, as you mentioned, uh, Carlos, whether or not they're using company or personal equipment. Of course, it's a lot easier to delineate the line between monitor to, to a greater extent um, equipment that belongs to the company as opposed to equipment that has mixed use. And, and a good way of, of limiting the ambiguity and the, and the uncertainty is to draft policies that would, again, delineate the, the reasonable expectation between the parties in respect of, of, uh, of privacy. So in places where, uh, in, where privacy in the employment relationship is codified, the idea of consent is really, really important. I would say that it's important across all provinces, but especially in those, in those provinces that have uh, privacy statutes. Um, so, so the idea of, of drafting these types of policies also takes care of the issue of consent, because ideally the employer would, would, would have the employees look at the policy, um, explain it, explain, you know, what's, what's being monitored, what's reasonable and what's not reasonable in terms of the expectation of, of privacy, um, and then the employee would, would sign off on that. Um, so, so that's the situation in, in Canada. I think that, you know, going back to or when we're thinking about monitoring, um, one of the things that employers are, are able to do in a non-remote environment is, uh, is take care of occupational uh, health and safety issues. So I think that in the remote working space, one of the things that um, have been perhaps a bit stressful for employers is, okay, is my employee's office, home office, my responsibility in terms of occupational health and safety. And I'd be curious to know what the situation is and what the legislation says in, in your respective countries uh, about that. If there are, if, you know, if the same protections are being afforded or whether there are any differences. So in Latin America in general, the same protections are afforded, but it brings like a lot of questions. Like some statutes require a court order for the employer to access the employee's house, which seems very cumbersome in order to fulfill their duties of inspecting that the work is like free of hazards and then the employees are, are safe. So another issue is like some of these statutes allow the employee to not only work for home, from home, but work from a, another, a third place. And that makes the employer's duty like harder to administer. Like if the employee is working from a, 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 another office or another place that is not his house or it's like moving around in different places how is the employer supposed to like you know make sure that each of those places comply with with the requirements of the occupational health and safety statutes in each country so 
there is, a, I think this is one of the provisions that have been extended to be applicable to remote workers as they are in person. But I think like, you know, in the future, like there will be issues that trying to administer those because like it is, it is an environment that the employer does not control and it can change from time to time. What are you seeing in Mexico, Pietro? And now Carlos in Mexico, as mentioned, it's, it's an obligation of the parties to stipulate the principal place upon which the employee will be rendering its tele uh, work uh, services. So if you are uh, stipulating that you will be working home, that's the obligation to be home. The obligation of telework is not, I'll be out of the office and I'll probably be in Ibiza, I will be in Mexico City, I will be in Cancun. You need to set a specific place upon which you would be primarily working. And why? Because the labor ministry uh, will be issuing soon, and we'll let you know as, as, as soon as we get the official standard on health and safety regarding uh, telework employees, because new regulations and new definitions will need to be issued. And I think that we have discussed this uh, during our uh, earlier calls, but if you would be in your kitchen making yourself coffee, would it be considered a working hazard or would it be considered something that happened home? If you are uh, climbing the stairs with your laundry on your back, but you need to run because you are uh, up in, in your uh, conference call, but you suddenly uh, skip and fall, would it be considered a, a, a health hazard? Those kind of things, I, th I hope that they would be better described and mentioned in the official standards that are soon coming out so we can have more definitions regarding these important matters. We need to, because the same safety and cleanliness that should be around uh, uh, the premises of your office, for example, that should also be mimicked in the place where the employee is teleworking. All right. On that note, I think we can conclude the podcast. It is important to be aware that there are specific provisions that are, are applicable in each country and they are like each, each issue should need to be evaluated under, under that optic. We hope that you find this information useful and please look out for more podcasts and blogs out of the Global Solution series. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Shear. Thank you, Pietro. Thank you for joining us on the Ogletree Deacons podcast. You can subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. And remember, the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as legal advice.